Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Glad you can join us. September 14th is drawing near. That is the day for the mayoral primary here in the city of Cleveland. There are seven candidates running. That'll be narrowed down to the top two vote getters who will face off in the November 2nd general election. We're talking to all the candidates on The Landscape, doing it in alphabetical order. Today, we are joined by former city councilman, Zach Reed. Councilman, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it very much. Most political campaigns start with the issue of the economy. How do we make the economy grow faster in Cleveland? Well, how we grow, how we actually make it grow faster is we got to get more people working. And, and, and that, that includes everybody. And one of the programs that I want to put in place is a program that I started in Union Miles, in the Union Miles neighborhood when I was a councilman for 17 years. It is, we've got a lot of vacant houses, a lot of vacant buildings in our wards and our communities. And the program that we started in the Union Miles neighborhood would, for, would put formerly incarcerated men and women back to work, learning how to be roofers and carpenters and painters and landscapers and fixing up these houses, giving them a skill, putting families back in these houses, making these houses, making these homes affordable. And it gives them the opportunity to be able to give back to society. Bobby Kennedy said the greatest thing you can ever do for a man we understand it was in the 1960s. So he said, the greatest thing you can ever do for a man is to get him a job because it gives him the opportunity to have dignity, be able to take care of his family and to be able to give back to society. And without a, a good job and good skills, you're not able to do that. So I think that we need to expand our opportunities for the economy. And that's to ensure that people who made bad decisions in the past have the opportunity to be able to work in our communities. And by doing that, Bodie, we have the opportunity then to reduce the violence in the city of Cleveland, which is the number one issue in this race. And we know that individuals who come out of prison, come out of jail, who go to work, don't commit those crimes to go back in. So it makes our community safer. Now we've got an opportunity to have jobs, get a good wage, expand the economy to ensure that everybody is working. The other thing is we need to do is go back to our school system. I mean, one of the things that I've talked about on this campaign trail is we need to take a a community on a school like Collinwood High School, and we need to turn Collinwood High School into a world-class, first-class vocational high school that not only teaches vocational classes, but teaches art, because we know what art does in our communities. Art brings excitement. It brings uh, activities. It brings people out of their homes, out into the street. And I guarantee you, when I become mayor and we take Collinwood from where it is now to that world-class, first-class vocational high school where we teach vocational classes and art, we will save that neighborhood. So I believe by doing those things, we can expand our, uh, uh, our economy and create safer neighborhoods. We often talk about economic development. People say frequently are advocates of the public-private partnership. We've had a recent conversation about the Indians, that the state, the county, and the city will be contributing to the fixing up of the stadium. And we've had things like the downtown opportunity or the opportunity corridor, as well as the downtown Hilton. Are you in favor of those kind of public-private partnerships? I work for the man who coined the phrase when he was mayor of the city of Cleveland, Mayor Vornovich. And I work when he was Governor Vornovich for... uh, for eight years uh, working for the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. He was governor of the state of Ohio. I uh, trained young people between the ages of 18 to 24 to work on conservation and beautification projects throughout the entire state of Ohio. And I just remember uh, 
Mayor Vornovich always talking about a public-private partnership. That's the best kind of partnership. That's the best kind of economic development. Um, when you're doing that type of development, that the 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 owners the of the stadiums understand that, you know, we're going to give you what you want, but we need our neighborhoods and our communities to grow and prosper. We need those people in those neighborhoods to grow and prosper. This election, uh, Dan, is all about neighborhoods. Any candidates that's talking to you that's not talking about improving every neighborhood, all 34 neighborhoods in the city of Cleveland, they shouldn't be running for mayor of the city of Cleveland. And the best way to ensure that every neighborhood in the city of Cleveland is growing, prospering, and moving forward is to uh, embrace this public-private partnership. So when it comes to the stadiums, I, uh, the recent stadium, I did not support the Q deal simply because my conversation with Dan Gilbert, and I literally was the only one who had a conversation with uh, Dan Gilbert. And, and and I said to him, I said, Mr. Gilbert, I have no problem with the with the uh, renovation of the Q Arena at that particular time. I said, I have no problem with it, but I've got to be able to sell this to the people in War Two that I represent. So help me understand how is the renovation of the Q going to help the people in Mount Pleasant? And, and, and after a good long conversation, ironically, he said, what you're trying to do, Councilman, is what we are doing here in Detroit. So my thing is, if it's good for Detroit, where we're ensuring that uh, the downtown renaissance is actually uh, helping those neighborhoods in Detroit, then we should figure out how does the downtown renaissance in Cleveland benefit the neighborhoods like Mount Pleasant and Lee Harvard and, and Stockyards and the whole lights. So I think that it comes down to having a mayor that's willing to sit down with the owners and say to them, yes, we're going to, we're going to help you. We're going to assist you, but we need your technical assistance. We need your imaginative uh, mindsets and the people in your organization to help us to be able to make our neighborhood stronger at the same time. Registration is now open for Cranes Cleveland Business's annual healthcare forum. This unique event will take place in two parts, with both virtual and live components. The virtual event on September 14th is free to attend and will feature a live Q&A with representatives from six different companies within Cleveland's Innovation District. These discussions will be used to help shape the discourse of the live event on September 21st. To purchase tickets and register, go to cranescleveland.com and click the Events tab. How do you feel about the Cleveland Metropolitan School District? Do you feel it's heading in the right direction? And if you do become mayor, will you take a more active role in running the district? Oh, no doubt about it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a graduate of the Metropolitan School District. At that time, it was called the Cleveland Public School District. But uh, I'm a graduate, gra proud graduate of John F. Kennedy High School. Uh, I have fond memories of being uh, 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 at, the, uh, at John F. Kennedy when I was the. That's where my political career pretty much started because I, I was the president of the school. So I had to actually go out and campaign throughout the, the school day, asking people to vote for me. And, and I was fortunate enough to get enough votes to be able to become the uh, president of the school. Uh, yes, I'm definitely going to be active. I can, I can say that one of the things that I did early on when I became a councilman in 2001 was to embrace the facilities improvement plan brought, brought about by Hilton Smith and Arnold Pinckney and Barbara Bird Bennett. And that was the reason that I got A.J. Rickoff to become the third school to be rebuilt in the city of Cleveland. But I can say when I left council in 2017, all the schools in Ward 2 were brand spanking new. 
But then I learned also, Dan, that it wasn't enough to actually build new schools if we're not going to go in there, roll up our sleeves, and, and ensure that the students get the right education, have the right teachers, have the right principals and administration administrators, get the right money to be able to improve the school system. Uh, because I can say, beside Warner uh, Girls Academy, every school in the ward that I represented was brand spanking new, but everyone beside Warner's Girls School was failing. So you got to have a more active role. I think going back, uh, what's got to happen, and when I'm mayor, I'm going to be talking to the CEO about, I think that we need to start what I call career education. Students are going to make a decision whether or not they want to go to college, whether or not they want to go to the military, or whether or not they want to go to uh, join a union, trade school. But I want them to be just like I was when I graduated from John F. Kennedy. I knew I was job ready. So when I graduated from John F. Kennedy and I went 3,000 miles away to school in San Francisco, California, it didn't matter. I knew I had the right education if I went to California, if I went to New York, or I went to Florida, or whether or not I stayed right here in Ohio. I want those students to feel the same way I did. That when I graduate from whatever high school I graduate from, I'm ready to go. If I want to go to college, I'm ready to go. If I want to go to the military, I'm ready to go. If I want to go to a trade school and join a union, I'm ready to go because I know the education I, that I received has equipped me to be able, be able to, take the to take the task on for the society that I find myself in. So I think it's really going back to the drawing board and ensuring that we ensure that we start to treat career education. That's why I think it's, more, it's so important to go to Collinwood High School turn it into a vocational, world-class vocational school that, that, that will show them that we've got a Max Hayes on one side of town, we've got a Collinwood on the other side of town, and we've got all these other schools in between. You mentioned the downtown renaissance. Do you feel downtown is healthy in 2021? I think it's healthy now, but we got to do a far better job than what we're doing now. We've got too many, young, we've got too many people that are still sleeping on our streets, sleeping on grates, sleeping on street corners, sleeping in bus shelters. And and I, and, I, and I don't just say it, it says that we're going to be judged by the least of us. We are judged by the least of us. And if, we, if you're seeing brand new buildings that are stretching to the sky, and then you see an individual wrapped in a, a blanket, struggling to make it uh, because they're sleeping on a, on a grate, because they're too cold, or sleeping in a bus shelter, that means they haven't done everything. I'm not saying that, you know, some people find themselves in those positions, like we all do sometimes. Uh, we all make decisions sometimes in our lives that may find us on the streets, but we all got to say to ourselves that if that happens, do we have the safety net in place to ensure that those individuals may be look like that may be like that today? But how do we ensure that they're off the street tomorrow? So I, I think when you look at downtown, it looks good. I like walking around downtown. I love walking around the city as a whole, uh, and it feels good. But I think we can do better. What do you feel is more important for the city? Is it better for us to build new homes and commercial space, or should we be rehabbing and expanding and making better use of the homes and storefronts that we already have? I think we need to do both. But I think we need to expand the opportunity away from those quote-unquote hot neighborhoods into all neighborhoods. Uh, as I, uh, I've been saying on this campaign trail, uh, the fact that we haven't built a new home in Ward 1, and in Ward 2, in four years, 
but in other parts of the city, we're building houses and homes to the sky. So something's wrong with that picture. I, I, I was telling some people the other day, we just had the census that came out. And the census showed that, look at city council. We're going to go from 17 council people down to 15 council people. But we're only going down simply because we uh, we lost, what, three to thousand, three to 4,000 uh, uh, individuals in the city of Cleveland. So if we had a state at 375, we still would have 17 council people. So what would that have taken, Dan? They would have taken to build, let's say in Ward 1 and Ward 2, 4,000 units. Because the census is correct, we're between two to, we're average between two to three uh, persons per household. That's eight to 12,000 people. So if we're not, if we're not building new homes, then these new homes aren't affordable. And individuals who are working are struggling to be able to meet the, the, the demands of being able to have a roof over your head, pay the utilities, and to be able to take care of yourself and take care of your families, then we're not going to be able to have the robust economy that we need to have here in the city of Cleveland. So I think we can do both, but we've got to be able to say to ourselves, we need to be building houses throughout the city of Cleveland in all 34 neighborhoods. And in some of these neighborhoods and in most of these neighborhoods, if not all of these neighborhoods, we got to ensure that the housing stock that we have is affordable. So that's why I say it's a combination of both. We can do new housing, we can do we can do renovation, but we've got to first say that we're going to build new houses across the city of Cleveland. Councilman, crime has been a consistent problem in Cleveland. It certainly seems to have gone up even more during the pandemic. What do we do to combat that? Well, first of all, we can't blame the the, the surge of crime, the uptick uptick in crime in the city of Cleveland on the pandemic. I was a councilman for 17 years, and one of the things that I kept saying is that we can never create better neighborhoods, stronger neighborhoods, if we don't create safer neighborhoods. And just a few weeks ago, uh, the 100th person in the city of Cleveland was killed, which means that we now have gone 10 consecutive years of at least 100 people killed in the city of Cleveland. And that didn't start a year ago. It happened two years ago. This has been this surge of violence in the city of Cleveland, especially against young African-American males between the ages of 18 to 24. It's just out of control. and It's been out of control for an awful long time. So when we talk about what we need to do, what I would do when I become mayor of the city of Cleveland, is that, yeah, we're going to hire more police officers. And, yeah, we're going to give them the technology that they need. We're going to give them the equipment that they need. And we're going to hold them accountable. But we're not just going to look at crime and violence from the one lens that we continue to look at it from in the city of Cleveland. We're going to do what those cities that have seen a dramatic reduction of violence in their cities, what they've been doing. They started looking at violence from a public health lens, because in reality, that's exactly what it is. When I tell you that 1000 people have been killed in the city of Cleveland over the last 10 years, at least, and 75 to 80 percent of them are young black men that's a that's a public health issue not just a violent criminal justice issue that's a public health issue young black men should not be dying for their 25th birthday and if these young black men were dying from from some infectious disease or cancer we say why are they dying at this alarming rate and what can we do about it and we would ask the question What's the environment we find themselves in? I mean, what are they eating? What are they drinking? What can we do from a prevention standpoint to stop them from 
dying before their 25th birthday. And one of the things that I talk about, those cities that have seen it, have looked at it from a, uh, have seen the reduction, have looked at it from a, a, a public health issue. Um, so there's an organization called Cure Violence, C-R-U-E Violence. And I brought them to the city of Cleveland on more than one occasion. It would roughly cost us about $250,000 to bring them to Cleveland. And they would hire people right here in Cleveland, but they would go into these hard-hit neighborhoods, to the violent-prone communities, and say to those individuals, because these are formerly incarcerated men and women, and they would say to them, hey, it's not going to work for you. You're going to find you're going to find your way either down the pathway of a jail or you're going to find your way down the pathway of uh, a wooden box six feet under. So let's get you out of this lifestyle. See, what when, when people talk about police and hiring police and sending more police, that's reactive. When the police come, that's reactive. What I want to do is be just like medical. You want to be proactive. You want to be preventive. I want to stop the, the crime from happening. I want to stop the violence from occurring. And that's why you got to put these individuals into these communities. That's the reason you got to have real community policing. When I was a councilman, I had I installed 125 surveillance cameras. I hired off-duty Cleveland police officers to walk the beat. And this is not me saying this. This is what commanders have said when I was a councilman. Where we had those surveillance cameras and where we had police officers doing real community policing and walking the beat, we saw crime drop by 75 to 80%. What I did in Ward 2, what I did in the Mount Pleasant community, we can do across the city of Cleveland. But we got to start looking at it from a different lens. And the lens that I want to start looking at it from is from a public health lens. Let's talk about some other economic issues. We've been talking a lot about the Opportunity Corridor. What do you think of the direction of that project so far? Well, I'll be glad when it's finished because I, <laughs> I, I live around it. <laughs> And I always get detoured, and, and I live off of Kansas, so I'm coming out of Kinsman, and it's literally coming across Kinsman, and I, I might find myself in a traffic jam. So I'll be glad when it's finished. Uh, I look forward to it. I, I, I just hope that one of the things that I, I know that they did from the start, and I look forward to seeing what, what the numbers look like at the end, I know that there was a lot of resident participation on the project. At least there was a lot of talk about resident participation on the project. Uh, doing the doing the construction, I'm hoping to see what those numbers look like. But I hope we did, we, that we don't lose that flavor. That we don't lose that flavor. That this corridor is going to come through uh, neighborhoods that I don't like. To, when people say it's going to come through the forgotten triangle, I don't like people saying that because people live there. They're not forgotten. That neighborhood wasn't forgotten. It was neglected. And my hope is that as this corridor comes through those neighborhoods, that we remember that people live in those neighborhoods. So people should be able to work in those neighborhoods. People should be able to shop in those neighborhoods. People should be able to open up businesses in those in those neighborhoods, right off of the corridor. So I'm hoping that that corridor will live out what the vision for what it should be. It should be a renaissance and it should be a, 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 a way to get that neighborhood up and moving again. And when I married the city of Cleveland, it's not just going to be some highway, because right now, in most people's mind, that's exactly what it's going to be. You're literally going to be coming from Rocky River and West Lake and from the west side of the city of Cleveland as a whole, 
and basically going to get off at 490 and be able to go into tunnel now and hit Kinsman and keep going straight to get to University Circle. I'm hoping to put in place those type of projects that I talked about earlier to slow us down and to get people to say, not only can I open a business off of this quarter, I should open a business off of this quarter. Instead of just riding past here and, and doing a 20-minute commute, maybe I should move into this community. Think about it. So I want people to think about that that neighborhood in a different way than we think about it today. And I'm hoping that quarter spurs the excitement that we got a new road, start thinking differently, and let's think about how we can make that new road enhance that community that rightfully deserves it because there has been little or no investment in that community, in those communities for an awful long time. If you're a business looking to give back to our community or a nonprofit or charitable organization hoping to educate our audience on how they can help, Cranes is excited to announce the return of the giving guide from the Cranes Content Studio. This is a special editorial feature within Crane's October 25th print issue and online that's designed to be an all-encompassing resource showcasing the various philanthropic opportunities available throughout Northeast Ohio. Go to cranescleveland.com and click on the Crane's Content Studio tab in the top right corner. The deadline to participate is September 13th. Few areas have received more talk about development than the lakefront. We seem like we talk about it a lot. The Browns have put forward a plan. What did you think of their plan to redevelop the lakefront? Well, I like their plan, but I kind of like my plan also. And I tell people to go to ZachReed.com, okay. Z-A-C-K-R-A-E-E-D. And my plan is uh, right across the street from their plan. My plan is to redevelop Burke Lake Airport. My thing is that uh, I want to keep the airport because people, don't, people who say we're going to close the airport don't realize that there are a lot of people who work at that airport, who work at that facility, Signature. So you're talking about losing between 100 to 200 jobs. I don't want to be known as a mayor that lost jobs. I want people to understand I'm going to be a mayor that's going to create jobs. So my vision, and you can go to ZachReed.com to see it, is to take the terminal, the existing terminal, and that parking lot. We can ride past that right now. There's no more than 20 to 25 cars in that parking lot. But to re, but demolish the, uh, the uh, existing terminal, redevelop the parking lot, we all remember Hornblowers, those of us who are old enough to had gone to Hornblowers, which was a restaurant right there next to the cot, and remember being right there on, on the lake. And it made us feel like we were a part of the lakefront as a whole. Well, we can do the same by if we demolish the uh, Burke Lake Airport, uh, the uh, terminal, and redevelop that parking lot, and, and then shift the entire operation from the terminal down to Aviation High School, the old Aviation High School. And I toured the Aviation High School a few weeks ago. So there are classrooms in there that we can remodel and make into offices, create uh, uh, economic opportunities inside the Aviation High School structure. And we could move the fence line that's along the, 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 the shoreway there, I mean, uh, the shoreway highway there, and we can move that fence back and we could create uh open up that green space there. And I've done the plan. I've listened to uh, the former commissioner there. And there's about 65 to 70 acres of of land that we can redevelop. And that would put us right there on that lakefront. And by, by the same token, it gives us a chance to keep the airport open, keep those jobs intact, 
be able to still have the air show, and maybe we'd be able to bring back the race. So I believe we can do both. And my and and the plan that I'm uh, that I'm talking about would enhance and and work in cooperation and in partnership to what the Browns and the Haslam's want to do west of, of Burke Lake Airport. Finally. But it appears what, it's, what people are describing as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with the money that will come with the American Rescue Plan and the infrastructure funds that are on their way to the city of Cleveland. What are some top priorities for you when that money gets here if you become mayor? I want to give it to small businesses. I want to give it to restaurants. I want to give it to minority businesses. I want to give it to women-owned businesses. I want to I want to do the same thing uh, that, that Mayor Cranley did in Cincinnati. Uh, when they When they first got their money, he said early on, he says, we know who has been hit the hardest. It's been small businesses, it's been minority businesses, and it's been women-owned businesses. So I want to take a portion of that money. He said, I want to take a portion of that money, and I want to infuse it into those minority businesses, into those women-owned businesses, because I want to make sure that they're, that they're here today and they're going to be here tomorrow. I want to do the same thing with the money that we've got. I mean, the restaurant industry the the uh, 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 minorities, businesses, women-owned businesses, they've taken a big hit, a big hit. Not to say that everybody else hasn't taken uh, a hit during the pandemic, because we all have. But I want to see, we talked about it earlier, I want to see these corridors, especially in these neighborhoods that have been neglected for far too long. I want to see these corridors grow and prosper again. I lived on a corridor for an awful long time, right off a corridor for an awful long time, Kinsman Road, as a kid growing up. And I just remember all the stores. I remember the restaurants. I remember the businesses. If I wanted to go down the street and get a job at one of the local stores, I could have got a job at one of the local stores. If I wanted to go get a job at one of the local restaurants, I could get a job at one of those local restaurants. That's not happening for these young people today in our wards and our communities. Because we've got too many of these major corridors that have little or no businesses on those corridors. And there are individuals in these communities, in these neighborhoods, who I want to entice. Because like I said, I was the minority affairs coordinator for the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, for three years. And my job was to travel the state of Ohio, speaking to minority businesses, organizations, and individuals about ways you could start a business, maintain your business, or grow your business. And I want to take that experience and that expertise that I have, and I want to persuade these minority businesses. I want to persuade these women-owned businesses that you can start a business. You can go to the Urban League. You can go to the GCP and the other organizations here and around the city of Cleveland that can help you start these businesses. I look at a tree mine. I tell people all the time, look at a tree mount. A tree mount didn't look like that 25, 30 years ago. And they didn't bring in some big conglomerate to revitalize tree mount. They brought in individuals who wanted, like Rocco and others, who wanted to start a new, wanted to open up a restaurant or wanted to open a bar or someone opened it, wanted to open a new gallery or someone to open a a, an ice cream shop. Those small businesses and those artists along the way started the renaissance of Tremont. There are other neighborhoods around the city of Cleveland that we can do the same. 
We know what the blueprint looks like. What I want to do is take that same blueprint and I want to spread it around the entire city of Cleveland so that all 34 neighborhoods in the city of Cleveland can say what one predecessor mayor said before. I've got something going on in every neighborhood in the city of Cleveland. That's what I want to be able to say when I'm mayor of the city of Cleveland. So when I leave, I can look back on my legacy like I did when I left Mount Pleasant as a councilman. I can look back and say, these are the things that I was able to do. These are the things I was able to achieve. And I'm proud of it. And the people in that community that I represented for 17 years, they were proud of it. And we can do the same thing across the city of Cleveland. And that's why I'm running for mayor of the city of Cleveland. Zachary, thanks for sharing your thoughts on these important issues for the city. We appreciate you joining us today for The Landscape. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You can hear all the conversations we've had with all the mayoral candidates by going to cranescleveland.com and just clicking on the landscape banner. We still have one more candidate to go. Don't forget the primary, September 14th, general election on November 2nd. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.